a radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes Scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. I, I like how he ran in the room thinking that you accidentally articulated baptism incorrectly. Like, wait a minute, you're mistaken. He said to me, he said, you sound like a heretic. Right, yeah. It wasn't like, boy, they must be playing a game where they're articulating someone else's belief. It was, I think Pastor Wolfmiller is off his rocker. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm a little bit disturbed that you think that I would actually teach that about baptism. <laughs> and it's so, 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 so deserved to be crunched. I mean, mega crunched. <laughs> So, uh, if you guys would put mega the mega crunch on the song, that would be awesome. <laughs> Keep uh, preaching the word, pastors. Keep it mediocre. Mediocre and hilarious. You're listening to Table Talk Radio, the podcast without an exit plan. We should have an exit plan. We should. Just a stop. <laughs> I mean, what, what, what really is the, uh, an indicator that would say, you know, no one's listening. You, you should probably just quit doing this stuff. I know. No one's been listening for like 10 years. No one, yeah. No one's been That's listening. That's the thing. No one's been listening since you started talking in an Australian accent all the time. <laughs> it's weird. I, I can't understand the connection there. I mean, you would think that that would be a huge draw. Yeah. I mean, you would think there'd be a, a, a demand for podcasts with hosts speaking in poor Australian accents. I mean, that... I think my buzzword demand. to you... Is there other... <laughs> is there competition in that in that category? I, it's I, like we were the second second most famous Lutheran <laughs> theological game show, but then we are the first most famous Lutheran theological game show with a fake Australian accent. <laughs> because the other... Austra the other... The most famous was in Australia. Yeah, <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Cornering the market on it's fake Australian accents. <laughs> Table That's talk radio. <laughs> Boom. Put that one in the lineup. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we're going to be um, clearing out some voicemails and doing some praise song crunching. Is that correct? Why do we keep I doing so. praise song crunching? I don't know. It's not the easiest thing to do. We're going uh, to keep and doing also, it. And also. We're going to keep doing it until they just, stop making praise songs. It seems like that that it seems like our email is not forwarding to our email system. So huh. we were looking for uh, preaching to Hollywood this morning. I'm sure there's some that was sent, but what's anyway, sad is there. that that we don't really know how long emails have not been being forwarded to our system. Because... It could be like two years. That's <laughs> how behind we are. I mean, it, it's. I it, think my um. We, we can't tell the difference whether people are. Not emailing us, or whether we just aren't getting them forwarded to us. I mean, that that is a tough discernment that we are not qualified to make. <laughs> I know, I know. I mean, here here we are talking to the wall. At what? I mean, how you can't get much more ignorant than that. So nobody's listening. Weird. What? Anyway, well, sounds like a you know average show for for us. So you have a buzzword. I do. My, I think my buzzword is going to sound particularly good with an Australian accent. And my buzzword for you is Nimrod. Okay. Nimrod. Nimrod is said to be a mighty hunter. Interesting. Uh, so Nimrod is in Genesis chapter 10, 
He's one of the kids from Noah, you know, offspring of Noah. And he is the founder, though. This is the thing. He's the founder of the kingdom of Babylon. So in Micah, how about this? In Micah 5, Babylon is designated the land of Nimrod. How about that? Okay. Now, um, so Nimrod. does it qualify for me using your buzzword if I use it pejoratively towards my yeah. co-host? Okay, got it. That's the best thing. Okay, okay, got it. You Nimrod. <laughs> Calling me a mighty hunter, are you? <laughs> yeah, that, that's right. Well... <laughs> <laughs> that's usually the first thing that comes to mind when I you know, see you on YouTube and stuff. Well, look at that mighty hunter. <laughs> but it is interesting. We use Nimrod as someone who's a moron, but Nimrod has in the Bible it it means someone who's 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 wicked but strong. That's a Nimrod, a wicked but strong person. So, mm-hmm. all right. Uh, my theological buzz phrase is Lex Arendi, Lex Credendi. And Whoa, this is crazy. a Latin uh, phrase that means something like uh, the law of prayer is the law of belief. And the notion behind this phrase is to suggest, and I think it is true, that the uh, uh, practice of, or the be- one's belief informs one's practice, and that is also vice versa true. So. Uh, we're going to worship the way that we do based upon the things that we believe and the things that we um, practice, the things that we do in worship uh, tend to form what we believe. Um, so let's say you, uh, uh, you, have a, you have a church. Let's say, let's say you have an independent Baptist church. And uh, someone comes in and says, you know, I think that we should start um, uh, having uh, the sacrifice of the Mass here. And so we're going to start um, uh, uh, worshiping in that way. Uh, either that independent Baptist church would say, no way, we're not going to do that because we don't believe that. Or if they go along with it, then over time it would suggest that they actually believe it. So there is a inseparable link between what you believe and how you practice in worship. And so uh, sometimes it's put forward that there's this idea that uh, one's belief is sort of in a container and we're free to adjust our worship practices any way we want. But what we don't realize is that's at least a confession of what we believe, if not formative in our belief. Typical Fort Wayne grad. <laughs> yeah, that's just written on our diploma. Yeah, that's what I know. You go to Fort Wayne, you're like, uh, what am I going to take? Well, this first semester, you take Lex Arendi, Lex Credendi 101. <laughs> That's right. Second semester, Lex Corin- no, lit- Corindy. Yeah. Hey, can you liturgy? Can you hear uh, yeah. this? Good. What? Can you hear that? I'm, I just have to do some. I do foam hear a lot repair. of unnecessary noise during the recording of a podcast. You're right. I do hear that. I'm uh-huh. just trying to <laughs> gets through. We need a less good mic, so I maybe, no one knows that I'm not actually paying attention. What we here. need is maybe a microphone that doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's clear out this voicemail. All right. Uh, here, it's it's going to be an interesting thing if we clear it out and then it just nothing else ever shows up. Yeah, we'll see if that That's works. It's going to be a thing. All if right. you're well, broadcasting if you, if you, on a deserted island. If you want to test out the phone number, that the, the number is toll-free, 1-800-385-SOLA, 1-800-385-7652. Here's the first voicemail. Hello, Reverend Evan and Brian. My fiance and I were driving through Kansas City and we saw a sign said 
life has many choices. Eternity has two. Choose wisely. What's yours? What's yours? Oh, in the middle of a cornfield. What do you make of it, guys? <laughs> All right. So, in the middle of a cornfield is a sign that says, "Life has many choices. Eternity has two. All right. What do you think of that? Uh, we could say. I mean, I would think. Uh, uh, yeah. I like. I do like how they're engaged. They sound engaged, don't they? <laughs> Just the kind of giggly, giddy happiness. I wonder if they're driving to to the wedding or something. That's exciting. Anyhow, I'm excited for those guys uh, that they're there driving to their wedding, listening to Table Talk Radio, trying to discern the church signs. And it said, "Okay, life life has many choices." Eternity has two. You would assume that the two choices for eternity is heaven and hell, right? And and now it's up to you to decide if are you going to be are you going to be part of the are you going to make the choice for heaven or make the choice for hell? Right. Um, or it could be a Viking thing, like probably the Viking peg has like Valhalla and then somewhere else, or it could be a dualist church. That you know these dualists like the Rastafarians or whatever. Uh, or these Eastern religions that are dualist, and they think that there's these two great forces fighting against each other. In fact, now that I think about it, there's nothing at all that would indicate that this is a Christian thing. Right, yeah. I mean, that, I don't think that was uh, stipulated. Uh, we weren't told what kind of church it's on. But I mean, it, I think what a, a person who puts up this sign is thinking is, um, you know, life is, is, uh, is real difficult. There's all kind of complex decisions that happen in life. Um, you know, what, uh, what career path you're going to choose. These are, you know, if, if there's, there's a million vocations under the sun and there's many choices you can go, but the decision for eternity isn't that difficult. There's only, I mean, you come to a crossroad and it's either heaven or hell, presumably. I, I agree that that's not explicit. And so, um, it's not that hard of a decision. I think is what what the uh, church science has been trying to put forward. But you know that this is, uh, it is amazing how addicted American evangelicalism is to being pro-choice. I mean, this is how <laughs> it's like you have to it's everything is about your choice. I mean, the ch you're choosing Jesus. We should say we we should we should have a thing that says I'm against pro-choice Christianity. Yeah. Oh, oh you're a pro-choice Christian? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> see right. see how that goes over. <laughs> I'm pro-life. <laughs> But it is, you know, it's all about that moment of decision. And if you get to heaven or hell, presumably, it's because you made the right choice. Hmm. Yeesh. Yeah. It's, I mean, look, I could barely choose what color socks to put on. Let's let's not make our eternal salvation dependent on our choice. Well, and, and I mean, it's not like you're adverse to those socks, too. I mean, to say that uh, salvation or heaven is your choice, just choose God, is like saying... Uh, uh, hey, you should uh, choose to fight for the Taliban. Yeah, I mean, you're not going to do that. And yet we're born enemies of God. That's the problem. We have a spiritual problem of sin that makes us enemies of God. So why on earth would we choose our enemy? It just doesn't make sense. Right. That's All right, true. let's take a breather already, and then we'll uh, we'll recoup, put on the oxygen mask, and then come back. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. We'll be right back. Attendance Talk Radio. Unscripted, unprepared, unashamed.
I'm reading Luther's sermons from the House Postal every week. You can find it at www.hope-aurora.org. Click on the Luther Sermon Podcast. Welcome back. Going through your voicemails, 1-800-385-SOLA. Here's the next one, Pastor. Hi, this is Al, back home in Arlington, Texas. Just drove by a Methodist church with the sign, Avoid Sin Burn, Choose Sunscreen, S-O-N. Ah, ha, ha. Ah, ha. Did you like that one? Ah, ha. Yeah, avoid sin burn. Ah, ha, ha. Look at this. I think this is true. I think my brother is in a runoff for this thing by one vote. Oh, well, you should probably tell he, the he, listener what you're talking about. My brother, named Thomas Wolfmuller also, is running for the school board in Midland. Oh, that's amazing. And the way that they do it is got to get a majority, so there's three people running, and it looks like he came in second place by one Vote. It's like 1,942 to 1,941. <laughs> That's amazing. That is a thin little margin there. So now they got to go into a runoff for another month of campaigning. Oh, he'll love that. <laughs> Thomas Wolfmuller. His hashtag was send in, hashtag send in the wolf, which I thought was the coolest part of his campaign. <laughs> it's, a, it's, fierce, it's a fierce battle for the Midland, Texas school board. Anyway, back to the point here is uh, avoid sin burn put on the sunscreen. <laughs> this this falls into the endless category of puns on the word sun and sun, uh, which and, and, I think at some point is going to be out, outdated. I mean, we just have to say that maybe we should just declare it now to be worn out. Uh, well, this this one pivoted to to run a pun off of sun and sin, so avoid sin burn. Sun. Uh, a double pun, which makes it, I don't know if that makes it better. I'm pretty sure <laughs> it makes it worse. All right, let's go to another one then. Church sign on a crossroads community church. Seek Jesus while you still can. Okay, seek Jesus while you still can. I suppose that the uh, the the evangelicals believe that we have a free will to seek after God, even though this Bible says nobody seeks God. Remember that part of the Bible? I do. No one seeks God. In Romans, quoting the Psalms, no one seeks God. But anyway, they're all about the seeker. Until you die, and then you no longer can seek God. Well, we just so happens that the Bible says that we're spiritually dead already. So, anyway, you got just a little bit of time, so now, now is your seeking time. That's the idea of this thing. But this is just, again, false. It's these pro-choice Christians. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying no to... Good. I'm just trying to think about this a little bit. I mean, um, I guess we're... we're well, I don't know. You, you, I know because of the other stuff that you talked about that you say that this comes from theologically the, the revivals and the great awakening and all that stuff. Um, I wonder, is it just that we're translating uh, what makes sense to us in 
every other aspect of life and putting it then on on spiritual matters so that I mean if you want a job you got to go find a job you know no one's going to come and just don a job upon you or a raise or whatever I mean in 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 the realm of this world these things have to come by your effort and so the I just wonder if we're not just putting that also on spiritual things but but you you talk about how we've been uh, programmed to think this way because of our our theological ancestors in this country. Well, yeah, that's right. But it, I, you, there is a difference between the righteousness of works and the righteousness of faith. So there is a difference between the way we live in front of everybody else and the way we live before God. And and I suppose that it's it's one way to look at this decision, this problem of the decision, is that you're trying you're trying to simply take the active righteousness which which by which we stand before our neighbor with a good conscience and you're trying to translate it to god i stand before god with a good conscience by these sorts of things or it could be you know the other thing is that these evangelical churches know that we're saved by grace through faith it's not of our it's not our works and so they need the one work that doesn't look like a work and that's a choice <laughs> it's the you, you so now so maybe here the if we, we got to sneak one work in, well, the, your your decision or your choice is going to be the work that we can kind of sneak under the radar, and nobody will notice that you're actually preaching works righteousness. And, and, so and, and, I, the, and the problem is, is that um, that our flesh and the devil's temptations um, exploit that, you know. So, so that uh, this is why you have the people who have made the choice seven times. Or nine times, or whatever it is, I mean, because uh, that's the, a lot of times. The, the, the devil that's comes along and choices. says, "Look, you made a decision for Jesus, but look at your life now. I mean, your decision apparently wasn't good enough, or your decision uh, wasn't from the right motivation, or whatever." So you have people who have, are constantly recommitting their lives to Christ because they backslide or fall away or whatever, and we can say, "Look." Uh, we are dead in our trespasses and sins, and the only way that we can have life before God is because he does the work to bestow life as a gift so that not only did Jesus die on the cross for all of my sins as uh, a gift, but that by the Holy Spirit, he gra- grants us the gift of faith uh, by his work. And I've always said, look, this is giving uh, God all the glory because if we say Jesus did the work to die for our sins and it is my job to seek him and find him and ask him into my heart, then I get at least some of the glory for my salvation. That, you know, that is a fine point. I ought to listen to you more often. I've been saying that for years. <laughs> so you say, because we say, hey, look, all this decisionism, this is building on sand. It, it's it's destroying the confidence that we have in Christ. They're like, no, it's not. I, I'm sure I'm a Christian because, you know, I made the decision, but Jesus did everything. How do you, how can you possibly say that, that when, when I base this all on my decision, it destroys my assurance? We just have to say, well, how many times have you decided? <laughs> how many times have you dedicated your life? How many times have you been baptized? That itself is evidence of the... Of the assur- uh, assurancelessness of the whole endeavor. It's a fantastic point. Mm-hmm. All right, let's move on. I can't remember if I just played this one. Church sign. Yep, I think I did. Not that I would know just from that Take line. Three. Church sign. Hey, this is Jeff from Houston, Texas, from everybody's favorite 
Baptist Church, Lighthouse Baptist Church. Here's the sign. When the devil knocks, say, hey, Jesus, would you get that? Thanks, guys. Oh, I get it. When the devil knocks, hey, Jesus, would you get that? That's not a pun at all. <laughs> I, I do like it, though. I, this idea, I, I want to, this fits into a, a thing of mine, which is that when we talk about spiritual warfare, we need, to talk, we need to talk about how Jesus is the one who's sent out for us. Right. And, um, and, not, and we're not going out there to fight the battle. Jesus is the one who, who holds the field forever. It's really great. In fact, I was looking at Psalm 46 the other day because it was Reformation time, and Luther says, hey, Psalm 46 is what we're singing with a mighty fortress. And you're like, wait a minute. A mighty fortress and Psalm 46 don't look anything like each other. But the more you – so we, I did a, a little video on this because it was – we did it in Bible class, and we got the picture of Psalm 46. And this is an amazing thing to imagine. Okay, so imagine that you're in a city – are you imagining? Uh-huh. You're in a city with a walled city, so oh. it's kind of a fortress, and you're inside the city, and it is standing still. There's a river inside of it, which makes you glad. Everything around it is falling apart. There's mountains are falling over, oceans are falling over. But that city is surrounded by enemies, and it's besieged, and it looks like things are in trouble. But out through the mo- over the moat, through the door, goes a champion, and he goes out, and he starts fighting this battle all by himself, and he's breaking the spears, he's he's bending the bow, he's setting the chariots on fire, and as he's destroying all the enemies that are coming against this, uh, against this uh, city, he turns around in the middle of the fight, and he says, be still, and know that I am God. <laughs> mm. He says, you just stay there. You stay there. I'm going to go out and fight for you. So I suppose that's what exactly what this church sign is, in fact, talking about. Yeah, usually that verse is used as a uh, passage for mysticism. You know that? Oh, it's terrible. It's like, yeah, it's like the, there's like a butterfly on the nose of a trout in a mountain lake. <laughs> yeah. It's a rainbow trout, by the way. This is like, yeah, this is that's right. <laughs> and and then the bear, and then the bear is there, like cuddling a chipmunk, and it says, "Be still and know that I'm God." It's like the world has fallen apart. It's into the world psalm. The mountains are falling into the depths of the sea, and everything is shaking. Everything is the earth trembles, the earth shakes, but there is a but the city is still, and we are in the place that's not shaking. So so when when Jesus says, Be still, he's saying, Stay in the kingdom of God, trust in my word, and then you won't be shaken when the world falls apart. It's like it's the exact precise opposite of the mystical, you know, picture. Yeesh. Yeah, all right, one more lightning round. Here we go. Hi, this okay. is Rick in Arkansas. Driving through Jasper, we saw a church sign. It says, Jesus is coming. Look busy. It was on First I... Baptist Church in Jasper. All right. Oh, I've heard that one before. <laughs> Look busy? That might get pretty close up to, to blasphemy. I was going right to say, there. that's kind of the opposite of what Jesus teaches us. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's I mean, right. Look busy. That's the opposite of the be still. Hey, (laughs) I'm coming. Be still. That's how we should say. Ah, there it is. Psalm 46 style. All right. Well, again, if you have a church sign or a bumper sticker, give us a call. 1-800-385-SOLA. Test out that hotline to see if it still works. It may have just expired. We're not really sure. We'll be right back. Praise Song Crunching on Table Talk Radio.
you just hate it when your underwear bunches up and your socks get all droopy? This is Table Talk Radio. Get the Around the Word devotions delivered to you in a free daily email. You can f- sign up for that at whatdoesthismean.org. Click the devotions button. I don't even know why we have bump music when we have Pastor Brian Wolfmuller. I know. I was wondering the same thing. That song makes me think of like bringing an old rickety folding chair out onto a dock on a small lake. I do not understand do, do, that do, do, metaphor. Do. But it's not a metaphor. It's just my imagination. I do not understand your imagination. <laughs> well, so surprised. But who does? Uh, all right. So not only are we you, are we your favorite podcast with no exit plan and an Australian accent, but we also crunch your favorite praise songs. And the reason we do this is to understand that there's more than just the question of whether or not there is false doctrine in a song when singing it for worship, but there's also a question of mysticism. Pastor Wolfner, take it away. Yeah, mysticism is that um, is when uh, you got this idea that God is is united to you on the inside, and you and you know it. I don't know how you know it. You just know. You got the mystic sense, and so a lot of the praise songs these days are built to draw you into that inner experience of God's presence. But one of the problems is that. God is, in fact, present everywhere, and specifically, he's present mercifully in his word. And the dangers of mysticism is that it relocates God's certain presence to the uncertainty of our own inner life. Uh, Is that a good enough summary? Yeah. Would it be a fair um, summary of mysticism to say that the air of mysticism is that um, emotion is a valid indicator of spirituality? Hmm. Say that question again. Is uh, it fair? What's th- that? Myth, is it a correct summary of mysticism to say that it is the assumption or the assertion that uh, emotion is a good indicator of spirituality? Yeah, the reason why that's tough is because I don't think it's emotion, but I don't know what it is. We don't have another word for it. Probably in German they do, but it's it seems like emotion to us, but. So we're always talking about how American Christianity is so emotive. And I and I think it, it, it there's a whole realm of emotional manipulation, but the true mystic is going to say that there there is an inner sense that's even different than emotions. Hmm. And I just don't know, but but yes, it feels like it feels like feeling. Because what it feels I feels like emotion. I think what most people uh think or assume is that um my status or my spiritual state can be felt. So when people talk about feeling God or or feeling moved or whatever, and uh, you and I as pastors and um, other discerning Christians will come alongside of someone in a hospital bed and say, "Listen, your your feeling of desertedness is uh, lying to you. That you should believe what God says despite your feeling." Um, and so we have to come along and say, "Look, your your feelings, your emotion." Is a not is not an indicator of your spiritual state that you, that, it, that right to, to to even look to that direction is looking in the wrong place. 
Mm-hmm. All right. So that's why mm-hmm. we do the yeah, so, crunch because so, it leads us towards right. asking the wrong questions of our spiritual state. Well, yeah, it, 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 and it, it's moving from objectivity to subjectivity, from the external word to the internal whatever. Internal word. It's called the internal word, the, con- the internal conversation. So, so now you can never be quite sure. Right. Okay. Well, let's then uh, – so, so we have the, the praise song cruncher. Let's see if I can – I've been only doing this with you for like eight years. Let's see if I can get it down by memory. Uh, the first question is Jesus mentioned. Uh, the second question is mystical uh, content, I believe, is first. Um, looking mm. at the words of the song, does it use subject, ver- verb, and object? Um, sentence fragments. Mystical style, I think, comes for, comes oh, first, okay. and then mystical form. content is the third question. I've only been doing it for eight years. I don't really know. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, law, gospel, and then any other false doctrine not previously addressed. So, uh, mm-hmm. the first one mm-hmm. comes to us from Terry, which says, "Hey guys, have y'all? That's the second person plural. Have y'all?" Uh, crunch this song. Curious if it withstands the test. Well, thank you, Terry. And here is the song Sooner Count the Stars by Sovereign Grace Music. What? What are you talking about? I like this lady's voice. Mackenzie Fuller, that's her name. That's most of the song of Sooner Count the Stars by Sovereign Grace Music. Um, so let's start with the crunch. Uh, is Jesus mentioned? It, yeah, I saw Jesus in here. The death of Christ alone deserves eternal song. Okay. Yeah. And I assume that the, it, most of the song is second person. Uh, that I could sooner count the stars and number all your ways, so that the your there must be God the Father, since the Son is referred to as second person, although it could be switching back and forth. But I think it's a song to the Father speaks about the Son. Jesus is mentioned, the de- and his death is mentioned, the death of Christ alone. Yeah, so the third verse, which we did not play, says, I could sooner turn back time than turn your heart away. Though the years go fleeting by, your mercies never change. Before you made the sun, your love was set on us. For all your faithfulness, receive my gratefulness. Okay. 
Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I think the most explicit mention of Jesus is during the chorus. No, sorry, second verse where it says, uh, as you mentioned, um, the death of Christ alone deserves eternal song. Okay. So, yes, mm-hmm. Jesus mm-hmm. is mentioned. Yes. Uh, the next question is mystical form, apparently. Yeah, I don't think it's too mystical in the form. It's uh, it's a, it doesn't repeat itself too much. It's got its um, sentences and everything else like this, uh, and I think it's got different verses as well. So one verse, then another, then another. Um, so it's not. It doesn't say repeat fourteen times. So I don't think this is that mystical in form. What do you do? You think? Am I missing something? No, here? I think you're right. I think the the real question is going to be in the next one. And that is mystical content, which um, you have on. This is interesting to me on the, on your critique or your uh, guideline here of <laughs> discerning mystical content. It says, uh, "Does the song talk about the immediate experience of God, touching, feeling God, uh, romance?" And then here's this one. It says, "Loss of self." Does the song talk about our losing our identity, being lost in God, absorbed, consumed, engulfed? Are we sur- uh, surrendering, abandoning ourselves, etc.? So uh, how does this one rank on that? I don't, so I'm not sure. There's something going on in the song that I can't quite put my finger on. I was, I was thinking to myself, could you just, could you put some, some different music behind it and sing it like a hymn? Um, And it doesn't quite fit as a hymn, but I can't, it it is because um, I, I think it's, so it's it's a song of praise of the greatness of God. I could sooner count the stars than number all your ways. I only know in part that, that it's it's about the greatness of God. I could sooner drink the seas than fathom all your love, like a never ceasing stream of the mercies through your son. So that it, so, so that here's God's greatness, and here's and 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 I just I can't get there. So that there's no praise that can reach it, no thanks, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But the song is not just, it's not about the greatness of God. It's, it's about our inability to comprehend the greatness of God. So it, it, so the thing that's on the, this is, I think, maybe the problem. It's, it's subtle. I'm trying to figure out how to get to it. Because it's not like it puts God's greatness on the pedestal. But what it does is it puts our capacity to express the, our thanks for God's greatness on the pedestal and then shines the light of God's greatness on it to, to, to see its own inadequacy. Um, and, 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 and because that becomes the chief feature of the song, the, the, the main thing that the song is saying, if you were to say, what is this song saying? It's saying that I'm too small to sing the greatness of God. So, but, so, but so it's about, still in the end, it's about me, which is a weird thing to do in a song that wants to praise the greatness of God. Do you see, do you see what I'm getting after? Right. Yeah, yeah. So so the only way... So here I am trying to sing about how big God is, but I have to do so with the metric of in relation to me, um, which when you're keeping yourself in the picture, then you're um, detracting from the greatness of God. <laughs> I mean... It's strange. It's It's... It's ironic, is is it not? Yeah, but see, but I think I this think is. is my thought on this. I hear something. Do you hear that? I do. All right, maybe I'll uh, I'll bring that thought back when we come back from the break, and then we'll see if we have time for another crunch after this. 
Um, so what's the cliffhanger here? Stay tuned for my thought. That is sure to keep people around. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. Run. Run. <laughs> if you don't get out of here, you're going to know what Evan thinks about it. Which came first? The mediocrity or the listener? Hmm. This is Table Talk Radio. I'm taking some old Luther stuff, pulling it out of the collections and publishing it. You can download it for free or buy them for five bucks. Find it, the Everyone's Luther, at wolfmuller.co. Click on the books at the top of the page. All right, welcome back. You have your sermon done, Pastor? No. Oh. No, no. I got plenty of time. I got 15 <laughs> minutes till, till church starts. All right. Well, okay. So Wednesday was... morning matins. It's actually Tuesday morning matins that meets on Wednesday because we don't like change. Did I tell you that? We had no. Tuesday morning Bible class, but because people don't like change, we change it to Wednesday morning, but we still call it our Tuesday morning Bible class. You're kidding, so. right? <laughs> hey, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Everybody come to Tuesday morning Bible class that meets on Wednesday. That's great. Isn't it great? That's it. Yeah. You could change anything. Just keep the name the same. That's right. All right, so I w- we were looking at this song called uh, I Could Sooner Count the Stars, which um, you know, lays out the magnitude of God. You know, I could sooner drink the seas than fathom your love. I could sooner count the stars than number all your ways. I could sooner turn back time than turn your heart away. I mean, so you're, it's painting this picture of kind of the magnitude of God, the, the, the bigness of God, if you will. And my only thought in songs such as this, which is um, a pretty common theme, um, laying out how big God is, is that it it, uh, it fails then to bring us, in the song at least, the, the lowliness of God, which is the place where he has put himself for our salvation. So uh, there's there's no questioning that God is certainly sovereign, as sovereign grace music certainly knows. Uh, there's no questioning that God is bigger than I am, for in fact, he is God. Um, but uh, the the manner in which I know that this God is for me is in becoming a man born of a woman uh, lying in a manger. Uh, the way that I know this God is for me is by this God who is now flesh crucified to the cross. Uh, the one who looks uh, as if he could save no one is saving the entire world. And so uh, that that's, I think... Um, where our comfort is found because that's where we have the promise of the forgiveness of our sins. So I'm certainly not uh, saying that we can't sing about the greatness and the, and the, the sovereignty of God. Uh, it's absolutely theologically true. Uh, but to convey comfort to terrified sinners, we must have the lowliness of God found in Jesus Christ and his death and resurrection. So so, so yeah. you have the, the entire song singing about the greatness of God and then uh, uh, a, a mention of the, the death of Christ, which deserves an eternal song, but everything else is about how big God is. Yeah, that's right. I mean, we do have this. So I, it reminded me of this hymn, Jesus, thy boundless love to me, no thought can reach, no tongue declare. Unite my thankful heart with thee and reign without a rival there. Um, th- 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 ha- um, th- but 
there is a way. So so there I mean there is a way that we can do this, but you got to be very careful. When when you say for example in the song, no words are strong enough to sing your love. Okay, that could be true, but but we do have words that that sing and preach the Lord's love. It's the it's the scriptures. And so we, you 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 want to get swept away into this into this uh, we don't have the words, especially when you're singing because you're singing this thing and you're like, "Well, okay, if I if there's no song, what what are we singing then? What there is a way to sing of the Lord's love and to rejoice in the Lord's love. But this is, I don't know, Evan, I, it's just, it seems like we're, I think this is a very important thing to say. It might be, it might be slightly subtle, but, but maybe importantly subtle that, that there's this way that the, that, that the, the praise song is just addicted to the inner life of the Christian. And it, it, even the, when it it seems like this song wants to it's trying to escape but it's like it's it's like it's the millennium falcon trying to warp out of the death star but it's caught in the tractor beam of the praise song and it's like it's trying to get out but it can't get there you, is that a very helpful analogy uh not for me um, but okay so uh fair enough so so we've made the critique but let's finish the crunch so the next question is um law and gospel is it rightly divided or mixed up and commingled you know i i don't i mean it's uh, it's not really there so is there a law or... let's what start would... with that is there a is there a problem that we have that this song presents it's t- there's it's twofold so it's one it speaks of the death of christ the mercies of christ the love of christ so it, that would assume the backdrop i suppose of our need for that and our need for redemption i would that's going on there but then the main problem is my is my smallness, my incapacity to yeah. to grasp the love and mercy of God. That's the big that's the big thing. Right. Uh and then the last question is any other false doctrine? I don't think so. Okay. All right. So uh is this crunched uh maybe in the car or pass? I don't know. I mean, my, this one might be all right for car driving. That's as far as I'd go, though. I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to put this in the mouth of the church. Okay. But I, because of a foresaid conversation. Okay. All right. So I like the sound of it, though. Here's Does that an, count for anything? Uh, sure. Here's another email. It says, um, "Pastors, while, a while back you crunched a song by the Christian heavy metal band for today, and your conclusion was that their lyrics were." for the most part, doctrinally sound, but the problem was someone listening to their music could not even understand the lyrics because of the hardcore way the singer sang. I'd like to hear you crunch any song by the Christian heavy metal band called uh, Theocracy. Uh, You can actually hear and understand the lyrics. I recently posted a video for their song Sinner on Facebook and said I did not know if the band was Lutheran, but their lyrics certainly are. And et cetera, et cetera. So uh, he wants us. Oh, by the way, he's uh, writing um, from uh, not Australia. So another another listener. There's so many people that live in not, <laughs> Aus- not Queensland, Australia. I think right. not is in Queensland. All right. Well, and it's right down the street from not from. <laughs> All right. Well, here's some of the song "Sinner" by Theocracy. Sorry, I didn't have a chance to ask you. 
order to have enough time to crunch this, we need to probably stop the song there. But um, do you have some lyrics there, Pasha, you can look at? Sin has, yeah, I got it. Sin has tangled me. My life is broken. I bleed eternally. Grief's controlling me. So I cry out to the only one who can bring the healing I need. Help me, save me, take this guilt away from me. Hear me, take back, take me back to where I was before the fall. Wash me, cleanse me, see what has become of me. Trying on my own, failed. So now I come crawling back to you. I've fallen, etc. Okay. I'm a sick man, rotting slowly, spiritual leprosy. I'm captive, crying out. I think, you know, there's a... It's like the there's something about the Christian rap that grabs a hold of the what the sort of masculinity of spiritual warfare. There's something about that Christian hard rock that gets to the fall. They really like that. That's what they, you know. All right. So and let's, this has done it. We have about two and a half minutes here. So is Jesus mentioned? I don't see Jesus. No. Now that's that's just a quick point that that you hear you have someone who is. Uh, talking about their own sin, their own depravity, which uh, is a good thing. But there is, I think, the possibility that someone would be so focused in on their sins that they actually don't see the answer for sin in Jesus Christ. So you'll notice that in our confession of sin at the of uh, confession absolution at the beginning of the service, even within our own confession is a uh, point to Jesus <laughs> who says uh, that Jesus is is uh, is merciful to me. Um, and so we would want that also in a song. Uh, okay, so right. the next question is mystical form. Uh, I don't think so. I think heavy metal, just by its very nature, is sort of anti-mystical. But it is, I mean, it's repetitive. And I imagine once you get into the help me save me, he's going to be pretty loud. You should fast forward just to get like 10 seconds of some yelling. Okay. Then, but I don't think it's mystical. <laughs> I don't think I got it. I don't think uh, uh, I don't think it's mystical in form. I, am I missing it? Um, no, I think you're right about the heavy metal thing. But what about mystical content? Yeah, it is repetitive, but it is it's so it's just a it's a cry for mercy. It's like um you know this could be the blind man from Jericho. This could be Psalm 51. It's it, this is the this is the cry. This is the but but we want to remember that repentance has two parts: contrition, and this is a this is a song of contrition. But then the second part is faith in in that the Lord hears our prayer and He answers it. And part of, I mean, this I think it's a great, very contrite griefs controlling me. I cry to the only one who can bring healing that I need. I bleed eternally. I need the Lord's help, but it doesn't get to the promise of the gospel. Not in the song. Hmm. So. And uh, law gospel. That's going to be the law gospel point. So it's almost all law. There's very, really little gospel. There once was something holy. This idea of being restored to the innocence of Adam and Eve in the garden is inadequate because the righteousness that the Lord gives to us in the gospel is the righteousness of Christ. It's 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 beyond the righteousness of Adam and Eve. It's a it's it's an abundant righteousness. All right. So the idea of being restored that's is uh, not enough. Be all the time we have. Thanks for listening to Table Talk Radio, Nimrod. With <laughs> <laughs> oh, a uh, can you imagine the Lex Arindi Lex Credendi if you sang that song? Thanks for listening to this edition of Table Talk Radio. 
Table Talk Radio is not for everyone. Please consult your pastor before listening if to Table Talk song, Radio. That was your song? That's your Side effects may include nausea, vomiting, head, After the sermon, let's stand and sing. Conversion <laughs> to incomplete Center by theocracy. Injury, psychosis, coma, death, halitosis, lung cancer, brain tumors, sleep Wowzers. pain, internal bleeding, internal combustion, a sudden craving to smell your backseat, claustrophobia, an uncontrollable urge to fight the Calvinists on Twitter, and falling off your treadmill. For more information, visit tabletalkradio.org.